0: Between taking online sales into his own hands and hunting down criminals of debt through intimidation, Ian Rakow is nothing short of a ninja-like free marketer. Together, we concur that all you need to make a bundle is a solution to a problem. This can be achieved by either creating a solution, creating a more efficient solution, or creating a cheaper solution. Ian has successfully done the latter time after time tonight on chasing capitalism, I
1: thought it was really cool when I was about thirty. I did a two hundred and fifty pound military press.
0: Ian Rakow? BJJ? Badass? Rocco. Rocco? Rocco. Rocco, Rocco, like Rocky?
1: Like, like the Italian Rocco. Uh Uh-huh.
0: So you're a man of the free market, doing all these spicy, interesting gigs. Probably one of the most funny was the online Viagra sale that I've heard so much about. Yes. So you, before online prescription and doctor appointments were a thing, you were ahead of the game. And you beat the government by selling Viagra online.
1: Yeah, that was uh, in the late 90s. I um, had this idea. You know, initially I got out of college at U of A. And I started doing uh, real estate with my father. Okay. Um, And we were working on large ranches. And it was incredibly boring (laughs) for me. So I actually... um, started a web design company uh, with a friend of mine in, from college, from U of A, and it seemed like we were making everybody a ton of money. Every client of ours was making, we'll just say a lot of money, and we were making about $5,000 on a website. Okay. So pretty soon I was like, man, we, we really need to start a website for ourselves. Scale. Start a business for ourselves. Sure. Uh, other than making websites, which was, Tedious, wasn't making enough money for the amount of time we were putting in. Um, so, came up with the idea to sell Viagra on the internet.
0: Where um, did this spur from? Was it a conversation where your buddy
1: <laughs> asked for a pill and he says, you know what, we should sell him? Um, you know, I was talking with a doctor at some point um, and I was saying, you know, I was. We were discussing how embarrassing it is for guys
0: to go in and get the prescription to from go their in doctor and, and say it's <laughs> for their friend yeah right by
1: the way I've got erectile uh, dysfunction and right um, you know I need to be checked out and the doctors are the thing is I, I don't think it's a big deal now but at the time it was like a brand new
0: well before it's time like I said you couldn't do yeah. that you and kind of like dispensaries today now that yeah. it's legal in Arizona you can't just get a card online and be good to go. It was unheard of.
1: Yeah, now it's, now talking about Viagra, you go into the doctor, say, hey, you know, give me some Viagra too. Right. For fun. right? People are uh, pretty open about it. So uh, interestingly, I started one of the first um, affiliate programs on the internet. So I had 8,000 people with a copy a replica of my webpage and they would market and every single sale that they would get, uh, they would get paid for. And we had people making 15, 20,000 a month just marketing our Viagra wow. around the world. So we made, uh, you know, to start the business, I got a $50,000 loan from my father. Okay, I paid back in six weeks. But in the meantime, he got 51% of the company and, um, which was fine. I mean, fair is fair Sure. and uh, made a lot of money at that time. I was bringing in, I was 22 years old, making 50 grand a month and uh, it was great, great deal. Yeah. I mean, I think, for younger capitalists that are watching this show. My advice would be to take chances while you're young, while you don't have kids, while you don't have a family. Not that you should stop when you do have kids, but it's certainly a hell of a lot easier. You have just yourself to support. You can keep your bills down to nothing. Maybe you live off a couple grand a month and uh, try to make a business or do sell Viagra sell Viagra yeah and you know the other thing is do some something that you love um, I love internet I love business um, I like being an entrepreneur doing different things and for me one of my keys to success is uh, doing things that I really like doing also things that I, I feel like is a good service for people that's helping people. Sure. So
0: the classic um, example that I grew up with of capitalism is it's raining in the street and there's a need. So people are walking, they need an umbrella, they need shelter, they need to go in somewhere. Somebody has the bright idea, like you had the bright idea to start your own web chain and sell pills online, to go out and start a stand that sells umbrellas. And before you know it, people are buying umbrellas and it's benefiting both them because now they have shade and it's benefiting the person selling it because now he has money to do what he needs to do. And that's the classic definition of how capitalism is beneficial to society is, it's a win-win.
1: Yep. Um, And I'll tell you, interestingly enough, my dad, early on in my life, he said, uh, you just don't have the personality uh, to work for anybody. And you don't like listening to people. So you're gonna have to work for yourself. Start getting used to it. And when I was 13 years old, I started a company called The Computer Whiz. Oh, wow. My dad literally Bit of an Elon. Yeah, my dad literally took me down to the state, got me business licenses, tax license. That's fantastic. And um, at Central High School here in Phoenix. Uh, right around the corner. Yeah, I got permission to uh, was the only kid on campus that could have a pager because I had uh, set up a contract with Cigna for the radiology department. And um, I was also working for lots of doctors and things. So I was getting $15 for the first hour and uh, 10 bucks for every additional hour. Okay. But if it was an emergency and they had to pull me from school, I would get 65 bucks an hour. <laughs> And I was thirteen years old. I thought that was pretty.
0: pretty That's amazing cool. for any thirteen-year-old to have that motivation.
1: Yeah, so I actually carried that company on through uh, through college. Hired um, employees in college, and if students needed tutoring or they needed their printer fixed or they needed uh, their computer fixed or whatever, I had flyers in every room. They could pull a tab off and and uh hire somebody it was uh it was a great business and i used to tell people uh you know it was called the computer with i told them if i can't fix it I'll whiz on it <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh probably my first um you know real experience with capitalism but i think my parents did a great job uh, my dad brought me into the office any opportunity he had, and I was always working as a kid, answering phones, doing whatever I could, filing, doing business with my dad.
0: That's great. Yeah. And um, you strayed into the field of real estate. Why, if you knew you wanted to whiz on computers?
1: Um, it was something that my dad, it, it's been my gran- grandfather was uh, in Russ Lyon my father was doing real estate, has been doing real estate for probably close to 30 something years. So, uh, and I had some experience working with my dad all these years. So I um, thought it was worth a shot. You yeah. know, to
0: Like you get said, some you experience. were young. Yeah, I was young.
1: Sure. I got out of college. My dad's like, oh, you got to come work with me. And when he saw how miserable I was, I mean, some days I was like falling asleep at my desk, looking at these maps and it was just, it wasn't for me. I was a computer guy.
0: And you're also an opportunist.
1: Yeah, I, I'm an opportunist. I would call myself an entrepreneur. And I think a lot about being an entrepreneur and a capitalist at the same time is being at the right place at the right time. Sometimes it's that simple. Sure. And. Uh, taking that opportunity. That's the next thing. If you're always in your comfort zone and you're never trying to, um, move up in the world.
0: Right. Well, you did a similar thing with COVID this year as you sold COVID test kits for yeah. personal home use. Yeah. COVID and test kits. And a similar deal, right? Yeah, it was to a similar deal. I sales.
1: Had an idea. You uh, saw this demand. One wa- this one wasn't my idea but I had some friends come to me, knowing that I could market, and uh, we sold a lot of COVID test kits. We bought Uh, some. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We bought a ton. Yeah, you guys did buy a couple cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was great. We actually still have people buying test kits. I'm sure. Um, And I think it's gonna spike back up again, because people are gonna wanna know if they still have the antibodies. Right. and when to get vaccinated again, if they're into getting vaccinated. Sure. Um, so talk
0: about the crackdown from your original online distribution of Viagra. How, how did that happen? And what was the complication legally speaking?
1: So the attorney general of Illinois filed a lawsuit against us. You have to understand- Why that was d- it
0: not the eternal, attorney general, excuse me, of Arizona?
1: That's a great question. You know, um, we had a lot of issues. Number one, for whatever reason, the pharmacy board wasn't happy. Okay. Um, Number two, BOMEX, which is the Board of Medical Examiners, was extra pissed off. Because we were able able to do high volume uh, with no real doctor's visit, having them fill out an application online, having the doctor sign the prescription going right to an Rx, you know, pharmacy and Rx United pharmacy and being shipped out. Um, So we were taking business away from people. We were taking business away from doctors. Uh, We were giving doctors across the country since we were shipping everywhere. We were giving pharmacies a problem. It was a big money-making pill uh, that just came out and they were charging a fortune. Um, But we were giving all our business to one pharmacy. So, um, and even in the beginning we were uh, doctors, uh, uh, doctors can also fulfill prescriptions from a medical office. So, uh, state of Illinois filed a lawsuit and we were thinking about fighting it we had a pretty good legal fund ready to go. And uh, then 27 other states threatened to follow suit. So at that point we thought,
0: mm. Might not want to fight half the country.
1: Yeah. So the Attorney General of Illinois got really sick. We ended up settling for $5,000. We switched the site from selling vitamins to herbal alternatives. Okay. Uh, sorry, from selling prescriptions to herbal right. alternatives. Right. We had a couple prescriptions that we were selling, all of which are over-the-counter now uh, except Viagra. And uh, we even came up with an herbal Viagra for women. Um, we had a lot of, uh, it was interesting, we had like a circle on the page. Half the page for a while was prescriptions, half was vitamins while we were kind of shifting over because a month prior we were on CNN headline news every 30 minutes and it was the whole Do you
0: have saved recordings of that could you look it up if you if you could I could probably find it okay yeah
1: so we were that's hilarious we were on every 30 minutes and it was just our entire website and they thought they were trying to like bust the company but what the news story was
0: I'm sure it exploded business
1: you order Viagra today, you get it by 10 o'clock tomorrow, FedEx, it comes from an RX United pharmacy and it's real. That's all anybody heard. Not that it was controversial, not that there's, you know. so we were getting 2,000 visitors an hour. Wow. Back in those days, that was a ton. We were selling a ton. Over six figures a day in Viagra. Wow. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fun.
0: So did you go into it as a partnership with your father? Were there other founders involved?
1: So there was me, uh, my father, and a, my friend that was doing websites with me okay. from the website design company. Uh, at, at one point, he was offered a really good job at Intel uh, in security, and he wanted to explore that. So I bought him out for his share. So it ended up being me and my father uh, in the partnership. Of course, my friend, uh, actually, I still do a lot of business with him. He's even involved in the COVID test kit Great. Uh, business. And we've remained good friends and have had lots of partnerships since then.
0: So what other startups have you been involved in other than these internet sales? Or has your career been strictly you know, tech involved?
1: Mostly tech, but um, the products aren't necessarily tech.
0: No, they're not. Yeah, well, like Tech I'm sells the product, and that's what you enjoy is what I'm taking away. Yeah. I have creating a the a tech that sells the product.
1: I own a small per percentage of a titanium company uh, in San Diego. We supply a lot of the NHRA and um, companies that, Dylan, for example, make guns and I'm um, trying to think. I had a company for a while that sold sunglasses. I had a company that sold ink jets. are uh,
0: just all over the place.
1: Yeah, and now, you know, my, you know, currently, um, I'm really helping other companies do marketing and get to the top of the search engines, which all this time I was just doing for myself. Right. And then that kind of brought into play um, fixing people's reputations. Because normally I'm worried about getting one site to the top of Google. Well what's the next step from there? Getting all 10 sites on the front page again. Google. So
0: I'm glad you brought this up because aside from your inter- internet startups, pardon me, and your young entrepreneur, entrepreneurial skill set at a young age, this is by far the most badass and interesting thing that you do. So basically from what I've gathered is Ian is the principal CEO at CyberActive Consulting. Do I have that right? Correct. And essentially, what they do is a lot of different things, actually, but they will restore high net worth individuals' reputation online. Yes. So, celebrities, businessmen, public figures. So, how do you go about deflunking big sites like Google that have such a strong firewall to get into and mimic in the first place?
1: Well, you got to think of Google as the calculator. Okay. There's billions and billions of pages and um, each keyword um, search phrase we'll say has a completely different set of math that goes along with it. Uh, the way I figure it out is by looking at the page at the top results and seeing how they're reverse engineering what they're doing and applying it to my clients' pages. Now. If they have, there's a million different situations that can take place on Google. They can have anything from being on a gossip site, a business complaint site, uh, to being in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Uh, So each situation needs to be handled differently. Best case scenario is I can go in, bribe some people, get them to take down the page, put up a better article. There's lots of Techniques, for example, like Google only likes to show one domain, uh, one website, one time in the top ten. So if there's, for example, ten articles about you in the New York Times, they look up your name, Chaz Keller, it's not going to say ten articles from the New York Times. It's going to show one. Um, And that one article will most likely be the latest. Article about you. So, if say I have a client, their number one article is the Wall Street Journal, I would try to find an author or refer them to a PR agency that can find an author to do a positive story. If we can accomplish that, we get a positive story from the Wall Street Journal. As I said, it replaces, it, they want to only, Google only wants to show the latest story so within hours of that story being published the new story it bumps out the old story to pages back and we have a beautiful front page Um, otherwise like i said uh, paying sites or bartering with sites or paying money to say their i guess their charity uh, whatever it is, we, you know, we can cooperate with them. And, um, I guess the worst case scenario that I have to deal with and what I hate the most is when you have to push down all of the bad results. Sure. The reason I hate that is because it's the longest, it's the most expensive. Um, and clients hate it the most, obviously for those two reasons. If, um, if it was up to me personally, I would be done with every job in one to two weeks and uh, have a lot of happy clients. Invariably, if I help a client within two weeks and they're a high net worth individual, they give me all their business, all of their projects, every entrepreneurial venture they're in, and then I get their SEO business, which is bringing traffic to their businesses. Right so it's behooves me to do the work as cheaply and as quickly as possible
0: and for the client as well that's basically just good customer service
1: it's good business for me because my whole business is based on referrals we don't even have a website that's what i was
0: just going to bring up is you guys don't advertise you don't have any pr to benefit your company you just take it on a strictly referral basis
1: yeah we've never spent a dollar on marketing Never spent a dollar on our website. If you go to the website, you could probably tell. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think it just says by referral only with our phone number. And it's actually, people have found our site and um, been afraid to call us because of that. It's sketchy. It's sketchy it seems yet. sketchy, I'm they sure. They call us and they're like, well, and the first thing I ask them is, who referred you? I want to thank the person, take them out, something nice. And they're like, well, you know, it's been six months. We really don't have a referral. We didn't know if we should call. They're kind of intimidated by it. But uh, at the same time, um, you know, it creates a little kind of man behind the curtain or whatever you want to call it more interest do you think
0: it would be more beneficial in a profit sense to have that advertising as most companies do
1: it's a good question that I've thought about a lot um, or do you enjoy keeping
0: it small scale and
1: so I did a go project? I was bigger scale at one point and uh, it was still even based on referrals but we were taking I was taking smaller jobs um, but I had a lot of employees. It was a big pain in the butt. It was like managing a kindergarten. Um, People would tell me that when I wasn't in the office, all kinds of nonsense was going on. People were drinking. You just have no idea uh, the level of bullshit that I was dealing with. So uh, now I've got 10 employees. They're working um, all in Arizona except one but they work remotely now. I think that all really started with COVID, although I had about four remote previously. Um, so I kind of like the niche market right now. Um, I don't really want to expand that business. I have some other interests that that I kind of want to venture go, into more so. For, venture into, exactly. and. Also, um, better use of my time. Sure. I don't have to. Babysit. Babysit. I'm kind of wanting to get out of SEO a bit, but uh, I've had some other things. Be lucky lately, so.
0: Can you speak on those lucky things, or not so much?
1: You know, uh, recently I've uh, kind of uh, consulted. With people to help recover money okay. that they may have a judgment on or are owed in a business transaction, and I've had good success with that. I'm so not you're a col- the guy that I'm takes not in the back of the casino. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. With our jiu-jitsu. Right. So um, no, but uh, yeah, nothing physical. Nothing. Just some creative ways that I, uh, you know, <laughs> talk to the client about and. If they want to go that route, I think it's more effective than any attorney they could find or, you know, the problem is once you get a judgment, it's not necessary. People usually don't collect on those judgments. Right. I mean, if it's that kind of person that's going to skip out on paying money, they're also going to have 50 million ways to not be able to get served, to not be able to get found. Uh, They'll have one address where they never live. An alias. I know a guy, I'm not gonna say his name, but I do do a lot of business with him. He literally found a guy 100 miles out that lives on a farm in Arizona, and that's his service address where he doesn't live. Wow. Who's going out 100 miles out into like a farm and then driving back about 100 miles
0: so you're a bit of a PI.
1: Yeah. After they... Well, I'm not searching the guy. I'm just saying I've got. I'm just telling you, people that have judgments and have issues come up with all kinds of creative. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I know another character that has an office just for being served, that he's never at, and you can't serve him. It's just uh, these kinds of these kinds of issues that, um, you know, that uh, I have. a I think, a better strategy for collecting.
0: It sounds like you have quite the intimidation tactic down. Um, we don't need know, to go into yeah. detail. Yeah, I'm
1: not intimidating anybody, just helping, uh, you know, helping a client.
0: Yeah, in one way or another. Yeah,
1: just consulting.
0: Um, so you also brought up that you enjoy increasing other companies' profitability.
1: I do, I love helping um, people make money. I love seeing people successful. Um, I I think, like I said earlier, it's important to enjoy what you do. And I really feel like I'm helping people. Um, especially when people come to me, I don't just do high net worth individuals. I've had, um, I mean, I help people that have just gotten a DUI. shots. I help people that I've had a bankruptcy at some point in the past that need to get rid of court records online and try to restart their life. Um, you know, they made some mistakes in the past. It could have been 15 years ago. I mean, I think it's time for them to get a fresh start. Um, there are certain certain cases that I won't take anything to do with violence. Domestic violence, any violence, I'm out. I won't deal with it. Um Certain even DUIs, extreme DUIs, or when other people get injured, I don't want to have sure. any part of that. Right. So I got to feel good about the job for the most part. A lot of politicians do shady shit, but that's not my I can't be judging everything. If that's I was politics. judging
0: then w- you would have no No If business. I was
1: judging people, I wouldn't be in business. Right. So, so I try to keep the one line of violence other than that. I've helped porn stars, they have a screen name and they have a real name. Right. And they have a kid that doesn't know anything about what their parent is doing. And uh, then some not nice person puts uh, their real connects their real name to their screen name, actually the IMDB, uh, the Internet Movie Database. Happens to be owned by Amazon. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. And people will go on there, put the real name next to the screen name, and when people look up the real name, IMDb comes up and their 30, you know, s- porn shoots are on there. And then if uh, this poor kid's in high school and somebody looks up their mom. That's so sad. They gotta That's basically really leave the state. Right. Uh, it's o- their party's over. Right. Um, so I've done a couple of those where I unconnect the name and I feel really good about those jobs because, uh, like you said, it would ruin a kid's life. Yeah. So, uh, I feel good about, I felt good about giving people erections. I felt good uh, about. Uh, let's not take money. that out of context yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I'm not Even personally <laughs> I'm not personally giving erections just selling just selling medications for erections but I felt really good about it I mean before uh, Viagra came out guys would literally have to give themselves an injection uh, in their penis and Wow it, and it was brutal
0: um, I've never heard about that have you heard about that you neither.
1: Yeah, the problem is, uh, unlike Viagra, erections would last a lot longer than four hours. If you have an erection longer than four hours... Call your doctor. You're in the... Emer- Call Ian. No, you're in the <laughs> Go to the emergency room where they're going to stick another needle in there and they're going to withdraw the blood.
0: I've seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy or two. I know what you're talking about.
1: Not good. Yeah. I couldn't ever imagine that. So, um, so Viagra's done a lot of good for people. It's taken a lot of people from that embarrassing situation. Uh, you know, you can pre-treat. Uh, the girl doesn't have to know anything, and also if you've been drinking a lot.
0: Which a lot of people do.
1: Yeah, a lot of people drink. It's not illegal, as far as I know. So.
0: Uh, well, it's great that you've found a way to benefit others aside from philanthropy that you're passionate about, because a lot of people don't realize that there are ways to give back through capitalism, and ultimately, that's not the goal, right? Ultimately, the goal is to give to the less fortunate and provide experiences or you know, help that they wouldn't otherwise receive. But in the meantime, you can also do good while you make money, whether it's by <coughs> employing people. You have several employees that run your company by selling a product with a demand that helps improve people's lives, you know? That's, that's the never-ending realm and cycle of what we're trying to teach here, is that the, the supplier and the purchaser both are in a win-win situation, and that's the beauty of the free market. And like you've done so well throughout your life is you see a demand and you provide a supply.
1: 100% agree it's very important uh, to employ people um, obviously, uh, I feel responsible. Uh, you know, one part about being an entrepreneur and having employees is the responsibility that comes with it. It's not just glorious and do whatever you want. Come in whenever you want, work on nine to five. Sometimes uh, the boss has to lay down the law. Yeah. Sometimes I have to work seven days a week, 10 hours a day, you know, sleep at the office um do whatever it takes we have bad periods in life and um my employees have families almost all of them and it can't just be uh COVID happens and see you guys Adi- adios take those two three thousand dollar checks you're gonna get from the government and live on that for a year that's a joke but i also think um I can tell you this, as long as I've ever been in business, anybody that's ever asked me for a donation, I've never turned them down. I may or may not give more or less depending on how I feel about the charity, Um, but I do have also interests that I work on heavily. Um, I've got a kid with autism and a feeding tube, and I've worked a lot with a non-profit in town, raising a lot of money, 70,000 one year for uh, autism. My wife spoke in front of 2,000 people at the Biltmore. That's fantastic. You can look up her video under Tara Rocco.
0: We'll include that. You guys can check it out.
1: Check it out. She's awesome. Uh, I helped write that speech, by the way, too. <laughs> She'll, All love credit. Me. She'll love me saying that because uh-huh. uh, I always rub that in. But no, she did, she did a lot of it on her own. Um, But now, I'm on two boards of charities. One's the Colton Cowell Foundation. I think you know a little bit about it. Um, It's awesome. Uh, Your dad started it, obviously. He's one of my true heroes. I think um, he's done more to help people than most anybody I know. Um, And then another, and of course, I don't know if I, probably already been said on this, but, you know, your dad helps anybody in need, basically any special needs kid. Uh, Nobody's, I mean, as many people as they can take in a year, I think he's trying to help. And that's just unbelievable. Uh, The next thing I'm on the board of Feeding Matters.
0: That is a fantastic charity. If you guys haven't heard of that, you need to check it out.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, My son, (coughs) has a feeding tube in his stomach, and he doesn't eat or drink by mouth. And it's a it's a sad situation for a kid, because I think that so much takes place at the dinner table, during meals.
0: It's the culture we live in. It's yeah. strange how, hey. how humans bond when they drink and eat. Isn't it weird? Yeah, I mean, listen,
1: blood? after this, we wanna go celebrate. Hey, let's go have a drink, let's right. have a meal, let's have happy hour, let's do it's a an dinner. Excuse
0: to be close and do yeah. So, together. I mean, right. how'd you
1: like to go to a meal and not drink or eat? Right. So it makes you feel not, n- not that great. Um, maybe you don't even want to go to meals or socialize. And, uh, so that's, that's a big issue. And then to top it off, um, on January 10th of this year, I went into a coma for 23 days. I was in the uh, ICU for 34 days, and then I went to a hospital to learn how to walk and eat from scratch. But what it really brought to my attention was, I woke up traked with a feeding tube, all kinds of tubes, tubes every orifice. Um, I really hated that feeding tube. And it really made me want to double down on feeding matters because Everybody's got feeding issues. A lot of people have feeding issues later in life. They get cancer. Whatever reason, they get strokes, they end up on feeding tubes. It's miserable. Um, and now more than ever, I really, having personally experienced it, I, uh, it was even more important to me and kind of uh, fortuitous to be in that, uh, in that charity. But uh, I love helping all, all kids, all people. People directly, I think, is very important. To be honest, I think that helping people directly is probably one of the nicest things you can do. And, um, but I think it's also embarrassing for people to receive help directly from somebody rather than from an institution or a charity. And what I've always liked is doing that anonymously. If you can, you put an envelope of cash in their mailbox, help their family, put it under their doorstep, um, and never take credit for it. You know that you did something good. God knows you did something good. And uh, nobody, but that family, doesn't feel bad. They don't. It's a win-win-win. Yeah, they don't feel weird when they're around you. You don't feel weird when you're around them, and uh, you know exactly who benefited. Although the way your dad's doing it is very similar, uh, he's doing it from an organization, which I think is great, and he knows exactly what family helping so
0: I think that's fantastic when you can have that face-to-face and truly see the impact not yeah. that they need to know who gave the impact like you said which is uh, I don't even know how to describe that it's something nobody else can do a lot of people need their names on a you know gate that they dedicated to a campus or building that they dedicated to a business and yeah. they need the credit
1: yeah people like credit it's um,
0: and there's nothing wrong with that you no know, there's nothing wrong with it, it. it.
1: Um, listen if they want to build uh, you know i've got a i have got I have a past client friend of mine he put up a building in california at a hospital named it after his last name Can you imagine how many people he's helping and or how many people he helped by doing that um, and they're not going to feel bad that i was in such and such as right. building I mean, hell, they're happy to th- that it's there. To get the <coughs> the care yeah, they I need. To have more rooms. Um, so
0: Well, thank you for sharing. I mean, I, I know that's a sensitive topic, but uh, I can't even imagine your appreciation for your purpose on Earth now mm. and, and how much that must have skyrocketed.
1: Man, I... It's had less than a 5% chance of living. Um, I... Uh, I'm very lucky to be here. Um, I think in a lot of ways, my family's probably lucky that I'm here too. I got two young kids. um, And I've got a lot of um, life ahead of me, I hope. Although I probably would have told you that January one. And I thought COVID was kind of, yeah.
0: Well, and you were selling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry for laughing, but the irony there is just, you know,
1: yeah, I mean, I thought, oh, worst case if I get coat. First of all, I'd made it almost a year with no coat. Right, right, And then I'm thinking, oh, I'm really healthy. I'm doing jujitsu. I'm lifting weights. You feel good. Feel good. Relatively young. At that time, I was 45. Now.
0: I don't see any gray yet. Yeah. Maybe in a year well, or two, maybe.
1: That could be for other reasons, but.
0: Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> have to do a shout out to my hairstylist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um You know, um, very appreciative to be alive. You got to make the best of every day. Um, and you got to think ahead, especially I've never asked my wife to work a day. As a matter of fact, I prefer that she's with the kids. Can you imagine if I passed away right now though, the change I've been doing good, but I don't think that, uh, they would have been set for life which is where i'd like to have them be uh, when i go not that i don't want my kids working uh, or being entrepreneurial um i don't want them to be set up yes yeah, to up. do what
0: they want to do to have the fifty thousand dollars that they don't need to give 51 percent equity away to yeah we to, used to, to say do what the they uh, want to do
1: yeah just come out lucky sperm club <laughs> yeah. you know which, right. uh, which is cool Right. I'm not against it, but I don't like just a trust fund kid that just absolutely does nothing in his life. Parties, this and that. I mean, you're born how you're born. This, you know, it is what it is. You boor- might be born well off. You might not be born well off. But I think it builds character, being a capitalist, being entrepreneurial, uh, helping people. Whatever the case is, you can't just sit around and...
0: I totally agree
1: party all the time, you I see totally what happens those guys.
0: Right, and, and I think the biggest thing, like you said, and like everybody has said, it's so funny you bring that up too, and every single episode is do what you love. And that's as long right. as you do what you love, you're not gonna realize that you're working. And you will be motivated, even if you are set up.
1: You have to be very fortunate, though, to do what you love, and that's why, if I was gonna tell anything to the audience, I would say, take chances early on, and try to take those chances in a direction heading to something that you're gonna really like doing. And the chances are, if you really like doing it, you're gonna be successful.
0: It's gonna be something you wanna do in your spare time and think about in your spare time. and
1: Put all your effort into, um, make money, be happy, be healthy, um, a lot of advantages.
0: A lot of people think it's bad to have money and um, it can create sort of a stigmatism of a bad persona, a bad behavioral aspect of somebody. But at the same time, money is, there is a tool, not a toy, right? It's a tool to help people. It's a tool to employ people.
1: If they don't want like money, then I'll give them my address. (laughs) If they don't think it's, you know, if they don't think it's important, you know, don't have any. Right. Um, don't take welfare. Don't, um, what do they need it for then? Right. We're all good. And it, it,
0: I think as soon as people realize that, that it's, there is a tool, and something that can better the lives of not only yourself, but others.
1: It's not only a tool, it's motivation. Motivation to keep yourself alive, keep your family alive, healthy, have insurance, have... Uh, I don't understand people that think that money's bad, or they think that people have too much money. Uh, they got there. Um, They probably have a ton of employees. Uh, They're feeding the lives of not only their employees, but their families, sometimes their family's family, sometimes, uh, well you never know, sometimes their family's family's family. Grandkids helping great-grandkids. And
0: also you look at somebody like yourself, a very generous philanthropist, you do give back in other ways than just capitalism. I don't
1: know anybody that's making a decent wage, that's not giving back in one way or another. Nobody. Not met one person um, that's got a great business, made a lot of money, however, um, not giving back. And, um, uh, you know, I think that that's important for people to know. I think it's sad that uh, it's never gonna work out that everybody's gonna have the same amount of money.
0: Well, that's a utopia, and in a utopia, there's no motivation, there's no problem to be solved, there's no demand, there's no supplier. That's right. It's unrealistic, a utopia is technically a you know, dystopia. It's, it's there's still gonna it's have to be, to be somebody right.
1: that makes our food, supplies grocery stores. There's gotta be people owning grocery stores. And there I has to mean, be
0: people bagging at the grocery stores. Yeah, a lot of, of roles to play in society.
1: Lots of roles and we wouldn't have, I mean, just recently, we had a hacker attack our meat supply chain. Wow. Imagine, you know, just, just a hack, a, a, a and now there's worries that we're not gonna have enough meat. Can you imagine if we didn't have meat processing plants? Right. Nobody was working and just have no food
0: and at that point it already is but it's suitable to be more sustainable and friendly but it is darwinism at the end of the day capitalism is darwinism it is as much motivation as much action as you take that is how much you will be rewarded
1: yeah and there's people happy to stay at home watch tv do nothing live on government assistance um, you know, I don't know how, I mean, listen, if they're disabled uh, or they have issues, that's a different story, health issues, uh, any type of health issue, but, um, uh, but I have a problem with just giving away money for no reason for somebody doing nothing. Uh, I don't think that's going to help them. I don't think it's going to help their family. I don't think they're setting a good example for their family. Um, and that's how I think people get into drugs, crime. Um.
0: It's fortunate that you're a good role model to your kids because I, I think having a solid foundation to start off with, and it doesn't need to be a biological relative, parent, nobody, but everybody needs that one person that will show them the ropes. Of, for sure. Um, of and morally. I've
1: been, I've been fortunate to have, Great parents, somebody that set a good role model for me, somebody that was honest
0: and believed in you. Yes. With the fifty thousand dollars. Also never investment. screwed
1: anybody in a deal, that I know of, which I think is great because one thing to know is people get funny when it comes to money, or when it comes to money, people get funny. Sure. And um, but I've also been fortunate, and I would recommend to people that are entrepreneurials uh, entrepreneurs entrepreneurs or capitalists that they not only well that they have mentors uh, they find somebody that they can look up to that's successful in business and get them get their advice it's always great to have um, multiple viewpoints and I do that on any major decision I make I always want to talk to smarter people than me.
0: Right, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You are. they say.
1: Yeah, and okay. if you think you're the smartest person, that's also another issue to tackle. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah. also probably maybe a in the back of the casino. That's yeah, you fix that one.
1: Yeah, that's okay.
0: Yeah. All right, well, Ian, thank you so much for coming on. Boss, love talking to you.
1: You're great. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be on your show. I like
0: talking to you. It was a fun episode. Yeah, it's been great. Great conversation.
1: I, uh, when I come back and I can breathe a little bit better, we'll have to do it again. I'm going to go visit you and we're going to roll in Let's Texas. Do yeah. Do some geothermal. Brazil. It'll be fun. Never know. I'd love to take you to Brazil. I'll Make it happen.
0: I'll be, be there. Awesome. All right. Talk thank to you again. Ian. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All
1: right. Thank great you, Darby. Job, guys.
0: Awesome yeah. job here, that was perfect.